0: Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so today we're still reading The Pesky Kids 4, Near Extinction, and now we're up to Chapter 6, Babysitting. Okay, here we go. Loretta did not officially start at Karawang High until the following Monday. She spent the intervening days getting her new school uniform, then having it couriered to her dressmaker in the city to have it tailored precisely to her measurements. If she was going to have to wear polyester, at least it would be perfectly tailored polyester. Early in the morning on what would be Loretta's first day, Joe, Finn, April and Loretta were sitting in the kitchen eating breakfast. Loretta was not at all nervous. She was looking forward to exploring a whole new social dynamic. For her, going to a public school was like Jane Goodall observing chimpanzees. Every mannerism and behaviour would be fascinating. Dad and Ingrid walked in. Like most teenagers, the pesky kids struggled to be awake first thing in the morning. So added activities like talking were scarce. The only sound was that of munching and sipping as they consumed their food. Ah, "'began Dad. "'He then stopped talking altogether and scrunched his face up "'as he struggled the twin battles of figuring out what he wanted to say "'and resisting the urge to rush out to the garden "'where he could enjoy the silence of the plants. "'Ingrid was not going to allow that to happen. "'She elbowed Dad in the arm. "'Ow!' said Dad. Ah, yes, quite right.' "'He realised he deserved it. "I, "'I mean we have an announcement.' "'Your first announcement as a couple?' said Loretta, "'clapping her hands with delight. "'Where's my phone? We need a photo.' "'No photos,' said Ingrid. "'Ingrid says, and I agree, that we have to go to the city for, um... "'Dad looked at Ingrid and she nodded. "'For a a couple of days and the nights in between, and we will stay in the city.' "'Good for you, Mr Pesky,' said Loretta. "'A romantic getaway will be lovely.' "'Gross!' said April, pushing her half-eaten bowl of breakfast cereal away. "'We're trying to eat here.' "'No, no, no, no,' rushed Dad. "'Not like that. "'It's purely legal and procedural and paperworky. "'We need to sort out, um, paperwork stuff,' Ingrid nodded. "'And also the romance, so we can become stronger as a couple.' "Oh," said April. "'Loretta, can you pass me a corkscrew? "'I want to gouge my ears out.' "'So,' continued Dad, "'we're leaving Joe in charge.' "'What?' exclaimed Joe. It was bad enough that he was always unofficially in charge of his brother and sister. He didn't want to be officially in charge of them as well. "'Why him?' exploded April. Ah, uh, "'He's the oldest?' said Dad. He assumed Joe was the oldest. He was the biggest, and Dad had been there for his birth, and it had been the first of his children.' But Dad had become so used to having even the most basic facts proven wrong when it turned out they were all lies. And Joe is the most responsible, said Ingrid. Rubbish, protested April. He's the most boring. That's the only reason you've picked him. Well, they're not going to leave you in charge, are they, said Finn. Why not, demanded April. I'm responsible. Everyone laughed. I am, yelled April. You can't even control your own temper, Finn pointed out. Well, if the house is broken into by terrorists, said April, you don't want someone even-tempered in charge. You want a total psycho to go ballistic on them. She does have a point there, said Loretta. Joe is in charge because he's the oldest, said Dad. That's the traditional way to do these things. He's only physically the oldest, said April. I'm pretty sure he has the mental age of a three-year-old. Hey, said Joe. Joe is a deep thinker, said Loretta. He's a sophisticated intellectual trapped inside the inarticulate body of an Adonis. Joe wasn't sure what this meant, but the fact that Loretta had said it terrified him. He's no Adonis, said Finn. The noun Adonis comes from Greek mythology. Adonis was an extremely handsome young man fought over by goddesses. Yeah, true, agreed April. That can't be Joe because his feet stink. No goddess would fight over someone whose feet smell that bad. I don't know anything about that, said Dad. He had not smelled Joe's feet, nor was he well read on the romantic subplots of Greek mythology. I just know that legally, in the eyes of the community, it looks better if we leave the 15-year-old in charge. And it's very important that we're above board and following all the proper rules right now. "'Ha!' said April. "'You're sneaking off for a romantic dream date, and we have to follow the rules!' Dad just looked confused. "'It's not my idea of a dream. I'd rather stay home and get my potatoes planted.' "'You do not get to stay home and work in the garden,' Ingrid said firmly. Dad sighed. "'I know, I know. I know sometimes I have to leave. It's just that I never want to.' "'Few of us get what we want,' said Ingrid.' ''I do all the time,'' said Loretta. ''You just got expelled,'' said Finn. ''Perhaps that's what I wanted,'' said Loretta. She turned and smiled at Joe. "Ah!" Oh! exclaimed April, leaping to her feet and pointing at Loretta. ''You got expelled on purpose, so you could spend more time with Joe!'' ''What?'' said Joe. Now he was terrified and horrified. ''You're supposed to be living here as our foster sister,'' said April. ''You can't chase Joe, that's just gross!'' It is, agreed Joe. My feet really do smell. Take your shoes off, ordered April. Let her have a whiff. They don't smell now, said Joe. I just put clean socks on. That's okay, said April. Take them off at school instead. It'll be better. You might put off Daisy Oden's daughter too. While Joe's in charge, I expect you to respect his authority, said Dad. No, said April. I can't do that. I don't respect anyone's authority. I know, agreed Dad, but being in charge is horrible. There's all the responsibility and worrying. Just don't be mean to Joe. It'll be awful enough for him as it is. Joe looked even more worried. I'm looking forward to it, said Loretta. I've had an au pair and a governess, a chauffeur and a Latin instructor, but I've never had a babysitter before. I'll be looking forward to being tucked in at night. groaned April. Pass me a meat mallet. I want to club myself about the head so I get amnesia and erase this entire conversation from my memory. All right. Well, that's the end of chapter six. Let's move <laughs> on to chapter seven. Chapter seven, first day. Joe was miserable. He was sitting in English class. "'Normally, that would be bad enough because English was Joe's least favourite subject. "'It involved words, and words were not his strength. "'But this lesson was extra painful because of who he was sitting next to. "'Loretta. "'And everyone was staring at her. "'Joe didn't blame them. "'Loretta was stunningly good-looking. "'He was pretty sure he stared at her when he first met her. "'He still caught himself doing it sometimes.' It was like seeing an eagle in the wild. She was so majestic, the pinnacle of natural beauty. It was only to be expected that life's sloths, baboons and warthogs would gaze upon her in rapturous wonder. And tell me, my dear, said Mr. Sophocles, as he leant with one hand rested on Loretta's desk. He had never called a student, my dear, before. What books have you been studying at your old school? Whichever ones I liked, said Loretta. But surely there was a curriculum set text you had to follow, said Mr. Sophocles. I believe so, said Loretta, but I didn't worry too much about that. I'd read most of those books already, so Ms. Dunbar was ever so kind about letting me sit in the back corner and read whatever I liked, so long as I didn't disrupt the class by pointing out how stupid all their answers were. Oh, I think I see, said Mr. Sophocles. Well, we're reading Huckleberry Finn. Oh, I love that one, exclaimed Loretta. Oh, good, said Mr. Sophocles. It is a classic. I love reading about poor people, said Loretta. It's fascinating. And Huckleberry Finn makes drifting on a raft seem so much fun, even though I'm sure it's not because your clothes would be damp all the time, and that's bound to lead to a skin infection. Oh, um, well, yes, that's an interesting insight into the work, said Mr Sophocles. No spoilers, snapped Daisy, Odin's daughter. We're only up to page 41. We haven't got to the bit about skin infections yet. While Loretta's black eye had healed in just three days, Daisy's head was still bandaged. She'd only needed three stitches, but the wound had become infected. Daisy had put a homemade avocado moisturising mask on her face overnight, and it turned out that avocado is not good in an open wound. The rumour going about the playground was that there was a great deal of pus. Yes, uh, thank you, Daisy, said Mr Sophocles. Today we'll be reading pages 42 to 60, quietly and on our own. Then we will discuss what we've read. The class groaned. They got out their battered school copies of the novel, flicked to page 42, and started reading. We're going to spend the class time just reading, asked Loretta. Joe nodded. We don't get to take the books home, he explained. People never bring them back. Too many of them get eaten by dogs. Dogs, asked Loretta. Joe nodded. Some kids smear mints on their books, then feed them to their dogs. Really, said Loretta. That surprises me, because there's no better way to escape your inescapable reality than to read a book. Sure, we're all too young to leave Currawong physically, but through literature, we can travel anywhere in the world, anywhere in time, having adventures with heroes and heroines all through the ages. This is Currawong, snapped Daisy Odin's daughter. The kids here don't have time for time travel. We're too busy focusing on what's important. Lawn bowls practice. "'I see,' said Loretta. She turned to Mr. Sophocles. "'Is it all right if I read my own book?' "'Oh, yes, dear,' said Mr. Sophocles. "'Please do. I wish I could.' He'd been longing to escape his own inescapable reality. But the reality is, when you're a 56-year-old high school English teacher, there is nowhere with cheaper house prices than Currawong. and Mr. Sophocles would never be able to afford a five-bedroom, two-story house anywhere else in the country.' and he needed all that space to house his extensive collection of Ian Fleming novels. The school's PA system whistled with feedback, and Mr Lang's agitated voice boomed out of the speakers. "'Joe Pesky, please report to the front office immediately!' Everyone stared at Joe now. He turned bright red. Except for his ears, they went beyond red and turned purple. He hated it when people looked at him. He liked to think that no one thought about his existence at all. But here he was in class with two beautiful girls sniping over him and getting a public summons to see the guidance counsellor. It was his worst nightmare. Well, perhaps not his worst nightmare, but certainly in the top ten. Joe started scrambling to gather his pencil case while avoiding eye contact with everyone. He heard the chair scrape back next to him. He looked up to see Loretta collecting her things too. "'What are you doing?' asked Joe. "'I'm going with you,' said Loretta. "'You just want to get out of English?' accused Daisy." On the contrary, said Loretta, I love English, and I'm already impressed with Mr. Sophocles' teaching approach. Mr. Sophocles blushed now, although he really shouldn't have. Telling a student they can do whatever they like isn't exactly A-grade teaching. But Joe is my brother, said Loretta, with pride, and if my family is in trouble, I will be there. You know I'm not really your brother, right? Whispered Joe. Reality is what you make it, said Loretta, as she swept up her bag and led Joe from the room. All right, that's the end of Chapter 7. Let's plough on into Chapter 8. Chapter 8. Trouble with a capital T. When Joe and Loretta arrived at the front office, April was sitting outside holding an ice pack to the bridge of her nose, with a blood-stained tissue stuffed up each nostril. Finn was alongside her, holding Pumpkin. Joe knew something was dreadfully wrong. Pumpkin never let Finn touch him, let alone hold him. Pumpkin whimpered softly while gazing at his injured mistress. "'What happened?' asked Joe. April opened her eyes. There were already bluish bruises forming underneath them. She had that glassy look of someone in considerable pain. "'I tripped and fell face first on a box of Kleenex,' she said sarcastically. "'What do you think happened?' "'She got in a fight,' explained Finn. He knew his brother wasn't great at picking up on sarcasm.' No, not again, said Jo. You're supposed to be behaving yourself. I behave like an angel, said April. She didn't sound like an angel. She sounded very nasal with the Kleenex shoved up her nose. I wasn't the one who started it. You know, most g- girls go all the way through school without ever getting in a fight. Most girls never stand up for themselves, said April. I don't care about being ladylike. It's not just unladylike, said Jo. It's ungentlemanly. "'It's uncivilised. "'You should re- resolve your differences through d- dialogue. "'Loretta got expelled from St. Poshy Pants School "'for the super posh because she was fighting,' April reminded him. "'That was a one-off,' said Joe. "'Yes, I usually punish my enemies with psychological torture,' "'agreed Loretta. "'It's less messy. "'Well, for me, anyway.' "'It looks like you came off worse,' said Joe. "'April smirked, which was painful with a mangled nose, "'but she did it anyway.' Actually, I didn't, she said with pride. BAM! The front double doors of the school burst open. A burly, middle-aged man strode in. His wife was close on his heels. They were both upset. The man slapped his hand on the front desk to get the school secretary's attention. What's going on? He demanded. Mrs Pillsbury rotated slowly on her swivel chair to face him. Right now, the only thing going on is that you are being rude to me, Hayden Wertz. Having been school secretary at Currawong High for 30 years, Mrs Pillsbury knew everyone in town under the age of 58. Mr Wirtz lost some of his bluster. Sorry, Mrs Pillsbury, but what's happening about my boy? We got a phone call saying he was injured in a fight. Please don't say it's his face, Well, Mrs Wirtz. He's such a good-looking boy. April made a gagging gesture. She would have rolled her eyes if her eyes didn't hurt so much. Sickbay was alongside the secretary's office. Mr. Lang emerged from that door. He had spatters of blood on his shirt. You, cried Mr. Wirtz, I'm holding you responsible for this. Jason was headed for state rep. If this has jeopardized his chances, you're going to have a lot of questions to answer. Okay, calm down, Mr. Wirtz, said Mr. Lang. Jason is going to be all right. Dr. Singh is with him now. He's just about to reset the shoulder. Just then, a horrific, blood-curdling scream shook the building. Barely muffled by the thin weatherboard walls of Sick Bay. Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on the ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. (gasps) Oh, my baby! Wailed Mrs. Wirtz before collapsing, distraught in her husband's arms. Mr. Wirtz had gone white as a sheet himself. If he hadn't had to hold up his wife, he looked like he might faint as well. Dr. Singh emerged from sickbay, closing the door quietly behind him. Dr. Singh was incredibly old. It was amazing that someone who looked that old was still alive and able to walk, let alone practice medicine. He didn't exactly inspire confidence. Jason will be fine, said Dr. Singh. The shoulder has popped back into place. I've given him some painkillers and gas, so he's resting now. Who did this to my boy, demanded Mr. Wirz. I'm going to kill him. He thinks he's a big, tough bully. Well, he can try taking on a real man. The school will handle this, said Mr. Lang. It's not appropriate for you to get directly involved. Don't give me that spat, Mr. Wurtz. This is a small town. Every man, woman and dog will know who did it by tea time. Just tell me now. I can't, said Mr. Lang. Confidentiality procedures prevent me. Unfortunately, as Mr. Lang was saying this, his eyes flickered ever so briefly in the direction of the bench where the pesky kids were sitting. And Mr. Wurtz picked up on that. He spun around and spotted the four children sitting there. You, he accused, you'll pay for this. Mr. Wirtz lunged forward and grabbed Joe by the collar, hoisting him to his feet. Mrs Wurst gathered herself and started wailing on Joe with her handbag too. Ow, said Joe. I did, 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 didn't do anything. Stop, cried Mr Lang, grabbing hold of Mr Wurst by the arm. But a school counsellor who spent most of his day sitting at his desk eating cream biscuits wasn't going to be a match for a farmer who spent all day lugging about hay bales and sheep. Mr Wurtz barely noticed him pulling on his arm. How dare you hurt my boy, accused Mr Wurst. <laughs> "'Gurgled Joe. "'He wasn't good at talking at the best of times. "'It was particularly hard when he couldn't breathe. "'It wasn't him!' cried Mr Lang. "'Don't make excuses!' said Mr Wirtz. "'No, really, it wasn't him!' pleaded Mr Lang. "'Mr Wirtz paused for a moment, easing his grip. "'What? "'You're assaulting the wrong student!' said Mr Lang. "'It was me!' said April, "'although it sounded more like it was for me with her nasal voice.' Mr. Wurtz looked down at April. She wasn't a large girl, just average height and very skinny. Normally, she seemed much bigger because her enormous amount of inner rage seemed to emanate from every pore of her skin, making her seem huge in the same way an angry cat looks bigger when it's puffed out its fur. But right now, she was slumped on a seat and in pain. She looked like what she was, a skinny, injured 12-year-old girl. You, said Mr. Wurtz, you're kidding. Nup, said April, but if you wait five minutes until my nose stops bleeding, I'll take you on. No one throttles my brother and gets away with it. You throttle us all the time, Finn pointed out. That's different, said April. That's done with sibling love. But you're just a little girl, said Mr. Wurtz. I take it back, said April, slowly getting to her feet. I won't wait until my nose stops bleeding. Let's do this now. Hold my Kleenex. April pulled the two tissues out of her nostrils and held them out to Finn. He pulled away. The bloodstained twists of tissue were the grossest thing he'd ever seen in his life. Knowing they'd been up his sister's nose only made that worse. April dropped the tissues and turned to face Mr. Wirtz. She put up her fists. I warn you, I don't fight to Queensbury rules. This would have been more intimidating if the two rivulets of blood weren't streaming out of her nose and she wasn't swaying side to side dizzily. Loretta gently grabbed April by the waist and guided her back to her seat. Just then, the back door of the admin building burst open. "'Where is she? I kill her!' yelled Mr Popov in his thick Russian accent as he strode into the foyer from the opposite side. He spotted April instantly, and unlike Mr Wirtz, he was not taken aback by her size. Mr Popov knew there was much more to April than that. "'How dare you break my rugby captain! Why you no break the winger or the fullback? Why you have to break the captain, the only one who any good, the only one who scored the goals?' If he wasn't so delicate as a china teacup, he wouldn't have broken so easily, grumbled April. And in April's defence, added Finn, Jason was very rude. I mean, it's rude to be rude to anyone, but it's stupid to be rude to April. I don't believe it, said Mrs Worse. My boy's always so polite. I've raised him to have good manners. And this one's a feral hoyden, said Mr Wurtz, pointing at April. What did Jason say? asked Loretta. It must have been pretty bad, or at least something that sounds bad to April. Did he insult Pumpkin? Loretta turned and explained to the Wurtzers. April has emotional issues. In response to a childhood scarred by double abandonment, she refuses to bond with people. The only thing she cares about is her dog. That's not true, snapped April. I don't just care about Pumpkin. I care about all dogs and all animals. Except cats, they're stupid. Jason said how Loretta was the best-looking girl at Carawang, said Finn, using finger-quote marks to indicate that he was quoting Jason word for word, and that April was the exact opposite, and that it was weird that we were living in the same house, and that perhaps Loretta would give April some make-up tips so she'd be better looking, like wearing a paper bag over her head. April's fists clenched as she heard the words repeated. If Jason had been in the room, she would have had a go at him again. I don't believe it, said Mrs Worths. "'There were 73 witnesses,' said Finn. "'He was training with the rugby team, that's 15 players, "'and we were in our PE lesson, which has two classes combined. "'Everyone heard it.' Besides," said April, "'I didn't dislocate Jason's shoulder. "'I grabbed hold of him and he was too tall to put in a headlock. "'So I pulled his jumper over his head and tied the arms together. "'He's the one who panicked, ran away with his head stuffed in a jumper "'and slammed straight into the rugby goalpost.' "'Mr Wirtz was deflated now.' Just then, Jason staggered out of the sick bay. His face was a grey-white colour, and his arm was bound in a sling against his chest. He was clearly as high as a kite on all the painkillers Dr. Singh had given him. "'Mum? Dad? Can I go home? I'm tired.' Mr. Wirtz sighed. "'Come on, son.' He put his hand on Jason's good shoulder and guided him gently towards the front door. "'But when you recover from this injury, I swear I'm going to make you take jiu-jitsu lessons.' "'I don't know how my boy been beaten up by a little girl.' "'Not just the girl,' said Jason, lingering fear in his voice. "'Her dog bit me as well.' Mr. Wertz noticed Pumpkin. The little dog was looking his absolute cutest. "'Yeah, I don't think there are any self-defence classes "'for dealing with rat-sized dogs. "'You're on your own with that.' He ushered his son and wife from the building. "'You will punish her, yes?' demanded Mr. Popov. "'I no fool for this. "'I'm just a little girl, excuse.' Mr. Lang nodded. Yes, yes, you've gone too far this time. You can't can't expel her, protested Joe. She didn't start it. Surely her severe facial injuries are punishment enough, said Loretta. Speaking of which, how did you get the facial injuries? Did Jason punch you? Ha! said April. That big lump of lard couldn't land one on me. She tripped and fell on a bench because she was laughing so hard when Jason ran into the post, explained Finn. April smiled. The blood had trickled down over her teeth, so it was a particularly grim smile. It was totally worth it. Fighting in any form for any reason is a serious matter, said Mr Lang. There has to be an appropriate punishment. You are banned from going on the excursion. "'No!' gasped April. Her thoughts went to the promise they'd given Professor Maynard. Joe and Finn leapt to their feet and started protesting too. "'You've got to let her go!' pleaded Joe. "'She'll do anything else,' offered Finn. "'She'll clean the school with her toothbrush. "'She'll polish all the teacher's cars with her own hat. "'She'll do anything. "'You've got to let her go on that excursion.' "'It's just one excursion,' said Mr Lang. "'It's the most minimal punishment I could give.' But think of the dinosaurs, pleaded Finn. How will she ever learn about them? I hate dinosaurs, grumbled April. There you see, said Finn. It would be more of a punishment to make her go. And this punishment no good, said Mr Popoff. His English got even worse than usual when he was upset. Punishment no find me new rugby captain for Wednesday's game. How's she going to make up for that? That's it, said Joe. I'll fill in for Jason in the rugby match. Mr Popoff made a scoffing noise. <laughs> Russians are good at these sort of throat-based noises. You worst the rugby player in whole school. You're big, yes, but no rage, no animal instinct to drive the ball up field of play. I'll play then, said April. I've got enough rage for a whole team. She's freakishly fast and strong too, said Finn. Mr Popov considered this idea. It's not so bad plan. She good at contact sport for sure, and perhaps Bilgong boys be afraid to tackle her. All right, I agree. But I don't agree, said Mr Lang. You can't allow a 12-year-old girl to play in a rugby match with 17-year-old boys. Of course he can, said April. It would be sexist not to. If he's going to exclude me because of my gender, I'll have to consult a lawyer about that. And my family has a really good lawyer who costs how much? $800 an hour, said Loretta. I choose the team, said Mr Popov. It is my contract as PE teacher and I choose her. Fine, snapped Mr. Lang. He'd had enough of the peskies for one day. All he really wanted to do was to go into his own office, lock the door, and change out of his bloodstained shirt. Fine, do whatever you want. I wash my hands of the whole situation. If you play the rugby match on Wednesday and get through a whole eighty minutes without being sent off or having your neck broken, then you can go on the excursion. Mr. Lang disappeared into his office and slammed the door behind him. I think I'm really going to enjoy going to public school, said Loretta. It certainly isn't dull. And we'll end it there. So that's it for this week. Until next time, goodbye.